0: Here's your host, Michael Ball.
1: Ah, yes. It's a hump day. It's... This is the day you're going to walk around, and I say this as a Catholic, you're going to walk around and you're going to say to the guy, hey, you got something on your forehead. No, he did shower. It's Ash Wednesday. The start of Lent, okay? That's the start where we recognize the 40 days before Christ was crucified, Garden Gethsemane, you know... You know, doing his praying thing. So, 40 days of Lent. What am I giving up? I'm giving up bad sports talk radio. We're going good sports talk radio here. And I'll tell you what. I'm I'm here in this chair for three days. And the money is following us, Zinger. Woo! We got a new sponsor, that's right, Spreads.ca, Canada's premier online sports betting destination. Find excellent online sports betting at Spreads.ca. Thanks to them for their fine support. Now, this is a huge, huge day. We got a great guest to start the show off. He's my favorite curler of all time, but first, first, I brought him in a tea, a green tea with one sugar. And I tried to get you the double chocolate donut, Zinger, because I know how much you like it. But I, ha- I had to settle for the glazed chocolate donut because it is one Sean Kleisinger's 30th birthday. And I know how much you're a fan of the beeb, So hit it. Hit this it. This was for you.
2: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. to you, all.
1: Whoa. <laughs> Justin, you're so good to be Zinger, Justin. <laughs> doesn't he make you melt? A fellow Canadian, I think you guys would be around the. You have to Google that. I think you might be around the same age as think, the
0: Bee. I think he's a year younger than me. A
1: year younger. Yeah. You've got way more money, and you got oh. a better jawline, Zinger. Yeah, oh yeah, sexier better. voice, sexier. Yeah. Oh, two years, two years younger. Two than me. years younger. Okay, well, that just totally I'm way more Jack. Yeah, too, that's baby. right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you've gone far. There, two guy, you know. There's two guys. The successful one, in Sean Kleisinger, and then Justin Bieber. Right. Yep. That's what we're looking at. It's a godly day today, Ash Wednesday. Yeah, you know? it's, a, it's a godly day. <laughs> listen, <laughs> it's meant to As, be. <laughs> listen, Ash Wednesday doesn't always fall on your birthday, so hey, unless hey, I get carried hey, away. Hey, don't tell me that. I like your glasses, man. I love Thanks, the big uh, satellite dishes for the lenses. they like looking that. good, buddy. Uh, did you get treated well, Casper, and, and your significant other? They give you uh, yeah, anything my, cool? Yeah, my yeah, my son danced for me
0: this morning. He did. Yeah, he danced for me. He, I, I mean. My fiance was, you know, yeah, like yeah. doing it. But like He danced like like me. Like I was, a pu- I was like, I was like half, I was half sleeping when I was still laying in bed. They yeah. started doing. It, I was, was like, his diaper full or empty? <laughs> oh, it's it's always full. Are you off?
1: Oh, da- are deep. you off diaper duty today? Like, do you get the day off?
0: Uh, I hope so.
1: So you get to go home and eat some fried chicken and watch uh, Milwaukee Bucks basketball.
0: Yeah, man, it's a big game tonight too because they're playing the Heat. The Heat are first place oh. in the East. The Bucks are fourth. It's a it's a good day. It's Ash Wednesday.
1: W- we- Godly day. <laughs> 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 we got an awesome show lined up. Up. we're going to hear from Peter Lubardius of the Flames. Nolan Cole, he's the voice of the Estevan Bruins. Actually, Peter Lubardius used to be the voice of the Estevan Bruins. So did it's I. True. It's kind of a tie oh. here. Yeah, There you go. G. Roy Simon, the Superman, has landed in Edmonton. We'll talk about him and the Edmonton Elks. Uh, it's a Where Are They Now Wednesday zinger. And just for you, we hook up with the quarterback's coach of the Green Bay Packers... Tommy Clements oh. coming out of retirement. Farhan Lalji will join us. Noah Zer of the U.S. Huskies from the Yorkton area. He's one of the top prospects headed into the CFL combine. By the way, Farhan's at the NFL combine. So a little combine yeah. action there before six. And in the six o'clock hour, Steve Burrow from the U of R Cougars men's basketball team. They're ranked number 10. In the country, headed for the playoffs, and uh, John Ford, the outgoing coach of the powerhouse LeBoldis Golden Suns football team. But I'll tell you what, all our guests come to you on the sports cage via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. Uh, a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza locations about their specials. My favorite curler of all time, let's check in with Ben Hebert. Yeah, we couldn't start this show in a better way than with uh, one of the greatest curlers ever, Ben Hebert from Regina. Hebes, how many briars is this for you now?
3: I wouldn't have known this until yesterday. I got asked actually the show uh, 14, 14 briars for me.
1: Wow, so uh, I guess my next question, do you remember your first?
3: Oh, of course, yeah, 2005 Edmonton, one of the best ones I was in with Pat Simmons. I was first year at a junior's, and it was sold out uh, at Rexall Place in the old Edmonton barn, so it was... uh, we weren't we weren't great. We were pretty young and green, but a uh, cool experience.
1: Is there is there anything in particular you remember about that though specifically? The patch. <laughs> mostly. Is that maybe why you didn't play so well?
3: No, I think we were we were kinda of doomed for fourth, fifth, sixth place at that time. It's kinda of where we fell, but uh and Wayne Madal was in that prior, Randy Furby, Sean Adams, you know, there's lots of great teams. Um and I just remember being young and yeah, the patch was rocking and, you know, that's kind of was the old school curling when you were, you know, drinking beers and getting up with a little bit of a hangover and throwing some stones. So that was a, a different era than now. I won't be doing that this week coming up with the briar, but uh super fun briar. And uh, yeah, I do remember it. So I, had, you, I had a nice head of hair. And some frosted tips yeah, too. A lot you, better than oh, now.
1: frosted tips. I love it. So that leads me into my next question. So, uh, you're a happily married man, so that you're off you're off the menu, so to speak. But I always wondered did curlers have how do I put this for our family friendly audience? Did do curlers have adoring fans like other athletes?
3: <laughs> I mean, depends on the curler, I guess. You know, my old teammate Johnny Moe, handsome devil. He's got fans everywhere. It doesn't matter if he's a curler or a firefighter, but uh you know, there's uh There's been the odd uh, relationship that seems to connect through the curling (laughs) world.
1: Hard, hard, hurry, hard, hurry, hard. There you go. There you go. I often wondered in that run if Randy Furby was pulling chicks.
3: Oh, the old Furb. But was a great guy. I never seen him any wheel and deal any babes, but he was uh, he was a fun guy. Fun guy to have a cocktail with.
1: Or, or you know, like we're we're not trying to be specific here. It's a new world, so I don't care who you like. I just always wondered if curlers had uh, adoring fans. Now you're playing in Lethbridge this year. Your home province is Saskatchewan, but you're out of Alberta now. Is it nice to be close to home, close to the home nest in in uh, Chestermere?
3: Oh, it's the best. Yeah, we're we're an hour and forty five. You know, two hours away from Lethbridge and uh, got a bunch of my coworkers, colleagues coming down from, from Caltech that I work with, a bunch of my buddies I play men's night with here in Chestermere, a bunch of my hockey team, they're taking a party bus, party bus there and back. My man Bo, Bo's coming down for a couple of days. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have a ton of ton of friends and family. Wife and kids are coming. And I think uh, a little bit of a crew from Regina might even head up. So it's always better at this point in my career. I love playing close to home and be able to, you know, Get get a little extra energy from the crowd. I don't like being booed in Newfoundland and, and Ontario, <laughs> so this is uh, this is better.
1: So your uh, buddy Bo Levi Mitchell will he heckle you at the Briar?
3: No, hell no. He'll be heckling the other team. He's a good fan. He's a ruthless American, right? They don't they don't give a shit. So he's going to be letting it <laughs> rain.
1: So in terms of Bo Levi Mitchell, like is he really he is a curling fan now, or is he just a Ben Hebert fan, or or is he going to bet on the games? That's why he's a fan.
3: Hundred percent, he'll be gambling on the games. I can guarantee you that. He's he he likes to throw money on anything. We were we were chatting. He was down in Texas a few weeks ago, and he was sending me some picks. He was betting on like cricket and soccer and stuff that he's never even seen. So yeah, he's fully into it. He'll I'm sure he'll dabble some cash, but no, I think he I think he enjoys the game and strategy. I took him out to throw some stones, and I think he has a little more appreciation for it now that he realizes how hard it was to make some shots. But no, he, he always messages me like you know football pump-up quotes that you would say to your football teammates about curling. And I'm like, I don't know if this translates to my sport, but I like it. So it's all
1: good. Okay, so uh, Benny, if I, was to, uh, if I was to put money on curling besides the Kevin Cooey rink, who would I bet on? Uh, saying that we're, we're already assuming you're going to win. But if something <laughs> happens and you spend too much time in the patch and you don't win, uh, who would you put your money on besides the Cooey rink? But yeah, I
3: think I don't know. I mean, the usual suspects are the favorites for a reason. I mean, uh, I think Gushu coming off the Olympics, I'm not sure what to expect from them. They might be really, really tired and content, or they might be hungry to, to get out there and win. And they're always a tough team. And obviously Brad Jacobs, you know, they gave us a good beat down in the Olympic Trials semi was the last time we we played them. So I'm really looking forward to playing them again. And they're a great team with my old teammate Mark Kennedy. And then, and then you got you got some dark horses that are that are pretty good too. Uh, Obviously, Matt Dunstone, Brendan Botcher, uh with his new team. You know, there's you know Colton Flash, even our other old teammates. So, who knows? There could be some upsets. But if if I had to uh, if I had to throw some cash on it, which I can't because I'm playing it, I'm not not Pete Rose over here. Uh, I would be. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'd probably be dabbling the, the main top
1: three. Okay, that's a good way. Thanks for the inside uh, uh, tips there on the big curling event, the uh, Tim Hortons Brier in Lethbridge. Okay, i got to uh, ask you about the Outdoor Skins game here. That was a first for you and a guy that's had a long and glorious career. It did, You didn't win, but what was it like playing outdoors at Mosaic Stadium in Regina?
3: Yeah, no, no, I mean, it was awesome. It was a super cool event and something that, you know, we've never really been a part of before. And, you know, the crowd was good ice was horrendous it was like curling in a parking lot but uh you know what i'd never curled on natural ice before or anything like that you hear these stories from the old veterans about swinging corn broom for 12 ends and natural ice we're like yeah yeah beat it and then we actually got to curl and i'm like yeah no i wouldn't have been very good at this so it was uh it was super unique experience we got super lucky with the weather there in Regina, being like minus six just perfect and beers were flowing people were having whiskeys we had a bunch of laughs i got to see a whole bunch of curling community that i haven't seen in years so that was awesome and yeah Dunstone's team uh they had to buy dinner that night so it was all good was finally because I, I don't get to see their wallet very often so it's perfect <laughs>
1: that's awesome hey so john ryan came back here in, in a you know to wrap up his professional career with the riders he wanted to win a gray cup here unfortunately that's not going to happen uh we know that's hanging over the saskatchewan curling community we haven't won a briar since 1980 might ben hebert like to wrap his career up here one day
3: yeah, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I know there's going to be a, a big shakeup here um, after this briar here next week, there's going to be a whole bunch of new teams uh, being formed and, and breaking up for the next quadrennial and teams trying to build not only the best teams in Canada, but the world there with you know Scotland and Sweden really having some dominant teams. So I don't know where I fall uh, in this landscape. I thought, you know, a few people reach out a couple of calls, but um I think you'll see a few new teams being built and some really good, powerful teams here over the next three, four weeks, I imagine. And I guess I cross my fingers that I'm on one of them. But uh, I'm not sure where it would be. Uh, If it's here in Alberta, I'm happy. And you know, if something ever opened up in Sasky, you never know. But uh, I think. uh, I think for where I'm at in my career right now with with life and and family and kids, uh, there, there's a pretty good chance I'm sticking around Alberta.
1: Okay, Ben Hebert, a couple more quick questions for you. Money over legacy. It's a tough question. Maybe not for you. Let's let me You like golf too. The Saudis are starting a breakaway golf league and they're offering they offered Bryson DeChambeau um uh, $134 million to go to their league. Uh, but the the caveat is, if you go to their league, the PGA says any player leaving can never play in the PGA again. You're expelled. So would you, if you were a golfer, would you... Leave the PGA and go for a guaranteed paycheck. Say $50 million. Like you're a you're a journeyman guy like Charles Howell the 3rd who just I think topped 40 million in career earnings but has never won a big tourney. Would you take a $50 million payday knowing you could never have a chance at one of those majors? Money over legacy. What do you do?
3: 100%, I'm gone. I mean, if I'm if I'm Rory and Bryson and Tiger and Phil all the guys that win all the majors, Justin Thomas and they they already have, you know, fifty to hundred to two hundred to four hundred million, I'm sticking all day for legacy. If I'm a you know, a mediocre guy on the tour and I'm grinding for the cut every week and I'm looking to take care of my family and my kids' kids and their kids' kids forever, I'm taking the cash and see you later, boys. That's what, that's what I'd be doing.
1: Nice. Okay, okay. You degenerate. You like to gamble. You got me hooked too. So I'm going to ask you this: Give me your Stanley Cup winner right now. We're about a month or so away from the uh, month and a half from the playoffs. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup?
3: I haven't seen a whole bunch of the Eastern Conference, um, but I've been pretty dialed into the West here, with obviously being in Calgary and uh, Colorado looks unreal. I really like them, but I this is going to sound ultra homerish. I'm a bit of a homer. But the Calgary Flames right now, I went to two games last week. I've been to, like, I think I was at, like, two games all year prior to that because of COVID and masks and all the BS whatever, so I I wasn't participating. But I went last week and they were opened up, and I got to see two back-to-back Flames games, and they are steaming. They're deep. Markstrom's an unbelievable goalie. They have the best line in hockey with Johnny G and Linholm and Tachuk and i think the flames are going to win the Stanley Cup. Okay, and i'm not Red Mile. Red uh, Mile's going to be rocking here in Calgary.
1: And i'm not totally against that, although uh, the big uh, question mark is will Johnny G fold like a cheap tent again in the playoffs? How about Monahan? Will he actually show up or are those two guys in witness protection program?
3: Yeah, but Monahan's on the third and fourth line mm-hmm. now. They they have him just grinding. They don't have him on the top line anymore, so he can he can just kind of do what he does and fill a good role. He's playing well and uh a lot less pressure on them not playing on yeah, the first line, so good, I like their chances. A, and Daryl Sutter's the, man. Yeah, Sutter's the man.
1: yeah, he is a great coach. Yeah, co- he is a great coach. He kind of has that, ooh, shucks, uh, a, a monotone voice, but I'll tell you what, the dude's a smart coach, and he's won a Stanley Cup or two, right? <laughs> I
3: love him. I love him. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, good luck, Benny. I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, you know, you're my favorite curler, and I uh, can't wait to see what you can do with the Tim Hortons Brier
3: ballsy what is the scoop with the voice of the riders i hear you might be in line are they gonna are they gonna step up and give the give the champ
1: a shot at the title or what i don't I, i'd like to think so but uh oh, yeah. time will tell i to, these things take time so i'm told <laughs> has well, you, been... you,
3: you got my you got my vote so uh, i'd like to see you get that gig i think yeah your time is up you're ready to roll
1: thanks for this man it's been nice chatting with you buddy
3: Hey okay, ballsy take care buddy
1: And welcome back to the Sports Cage. Spreads.ca, our new sponsor. Thanks to them for getting on board another great Canadian gambling website. I might have to check that out because Ben Hebert's got me hooked. He's got me hooked on gambling. (laughs) Maybe I can gamble on some curling. You be careful now, though. No, no, no. I don't bet any more than five or ten bucks. I'm in radio. It's not like I'm a (laughs) mogul. I'm not a professional curler. Uh, All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Ballsy, along with the outstanding producer, the uh, birthday boy. Sean Kleisinger, who, by the way, I had Bieber sing a happy birthday to you. He turned 28 yesterday.
0: Yesterday, apparently, yeah.
1: Wow, you and the Beebs are, see, you are joined at the hip. Yeah, I'm sexier, though, so. Yeah, yeah, you are. Okay, time now for the Pick 6, where we break down six sports topics. I usually get a guest celebrity to help me, but because it's his birthday, we're going to go with our buddy Sean Kleisinger, get you to weigh in. Now, CFL Unis, the Eskimo, or sorry, the Elks about to tease a new one. Okay. Yeah, they've been teasing it. Yeah, they have been teasing it. We'll try to get the information from their assistant general manager, G-Roy Simon, after five o'clock. Uh, the Lions are supposed to be coming out with another one. I really think the CFL has their swag down, though. I like. There isn't a jersey I really hate. I I
0: don't know, Balzey. There's a couple lingering out there. I think Ottawa needs a makeover. I think Calgary needs a makeover. And uh, those are the two that come to mind. You don't Be- like
1: the popcorn Calgary jersey. You don't like that popcorn. Box well, I'm, ta- one?
0: I'm talking like the generic oh, ones, okay. the, the one like the original okay. yeah. ones that they wear, like mm-hmm. Calgary's and Ottawa's, and I think BC's. They they need to go. I have my top three. Do you want? Yeah, my top I want three? your top
1: three because I got my top three.
0: Okay, and this is the only right answer because if you want to know mm-hmm. uniform information, you just get me. Go to Zinger. Yeah, you, you go to me. Okay, yeah, yeah. so th- this is the only answer there is. It's the Rough Riders, those Labor Day classic ones.
1: Boom. That's it. I agree. 100%. Are are,
0: are the best. Number one. And uh, now, in no particular order, I do have to say the Winnipeg Blue Bombers home uniforms, very nice uniforms. Boom. That's my
1: second one, too. We are on the same, we're like Dry Saddle and McDavid. I know exactly where you're going. Where's your third one, though? My third one would have to be the Montreal. I knew you'd Alouettes. say that. I knew you'd say Montreal that. Montreal Alouettes. Nah, nah, uh, nah, What What's your BC third? Lions? The BC Lions homes. I so like the be... the orange with the black on the yeah, shoulder? I like it. I like it. I like it. No, I can't go. You're with... out of the you're out of the loop. I don't now, mind man. the Alouettes. I don't mind the Alouettes, and uh, I, I have to say, I do like the I do like the Elks, but I don't like the. The cheap, they cheaped out on the antlers. They should have gone big antlers. They went with, like, the dollar store antlers. I think
0: they're changing it. I think that's going to yeah. be a part of the... Yeah. That was just like a makeover for one year yeah. to get them through the year, right?
1: Okay, so number two, check out this story. Former UFC champ Kane Velasquez was arrested on Monday for attempted murder uh, in downtown San Jose. Uh, Sources say he opened fire because a relative of his, some say it's his daughter, was allegedly molested at a home daycare. Here's the deal. 43-year-old Harry Eugene Galarte was arrested Friday on charges that he molested the child at a daycare run by his mother. He was granted a supervised release even though prosecutors were vehemently opposed to it. So then Velasquez took matters into his own hands, shot into a vehicle with this Dude in it, but hit this dude's stepfather. That guy took a gunshot to the chest. He is going to make it, but attempted murder and firing off a, a gun in public. He's got a number of charges on the former uh, heavyweight champ. If the second part of the story is true, and this is a molestation thing, I don't, I'm not a vigilante guy, but as a father, you're a father. Can you imagine Casper getting. Don't go there, man. I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, so that, I'm not individual vigilante, but I saw that when I saw the byline, I went, ah, another mead head with CT, no big deal. But then I read a little bit and, you know, ballsy never jumps to any conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> bad ballsy, bad ballsy. So I don't know. Like, would you feel the same way as me with that? If, if the second part is yeah, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pound the, on him too bad.
0: The thing is, I would like, the thing is though, like at the end of the day, you, you, that's nowhere to, that's you don't deal with it by bringing out a gun yeah. and shooting at people. That's not yeah. that's not the answer, man. You could be as mad as you want, but yeah. maybe go up to him like I don't know. A slap would be
1: better than. Wow, well, come right? on, though. He's not a counselor. He's a UFC guy. He probably does have CTE. I'll tell you what. Balls That's he... why he should be using his fists instead. Uh, you don't oh, bring okay. out a firearm. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But I can see how he'd be upset if that indeed was his daughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, crazy. Now, how dare Commissioner Rob Manford and the baseball owners treat their players and fans like this? Don't they recognize the impact of canceling games, the damage it's doing to the sport, the idea that baseball is. It's more than just an industry. Uh, Sure, the the worst commissioner in baseball lied and said, If it was solely within my ability or the ability of the clubs to get an agreement, we'd have an agreement. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. You're a liar. They just think the fans are always going to come back. Uh, it, It took them 43 days to table their first offer. Then they made a late strategic bull rush towards the players on Monday and Tuesday, telling them they had to settle. Now we know by now Manfred's a clown that can't public speak. Dude yeah. called the World Series a trophy. He called the World Series trophy a piece of metal, okay? What a loser, yeah, huh? He, he let the Trash throws keep their World Series title. And and this no-personality dork is smiling in a press conference to announce cancellations when he should be pretty solemn. Yeah. Um the bigger problem for Manfred and the owners though, I think is they can't build a functional relationship with the players' union. They look like they have no intention of doing it, and they're unap- unapologetic about it. Like it is, it's ridiculous. And the, the average fan ages at about fifty-seven. That's a big problem for baseball. Fifty-seven years old. Yeah,
0: like that. So you're talking like older than me. How about a, like a couple other things this guy's done in the past few years? How about when Ken Ro, uh, Ken Rosenthal? Yeah. Remember for MLB Network, he was criticizing Manfred, saying he's gonna like ruin his legacy. He got the guy fired from MLB Network for that. Instead, like don't you think if someone was criticizing you, instead of like firing someone, you would want to just prove them wrong and just be like, Okay, mm-hmm. well we'll see. That and how about the, the arbitration championship belt, the twenty dollar yeah. arbitration championship belt, basically awarding teams who squeezes their players the most financially, right? Like, what kind of ideas are those? Well, he
1: does get a trophy, uh, maybe a piece of metal for the worst commissioner in all of pro sports. By the way, this hot off the sports cage wire, Oriole fans are like, not a problem. Take your time. We're in no hurry. We can play a 20-game season. Maybe we have a chance to make the playoffs. Okay, I got a thing about this, and I'll ask Peter Lubardius about this in a second. Russian players getting squeezed. CCM is not using Russian players now in their global marketing campaign. I told you yesterday about that major insurance company in the states that was running ads with uh, Backstrom and um, and uh, Ovi Ovi, Ovi, uh, all season on TNT and ESPN, but they pulled that because of uh, of this whole Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Okay, Mm -hmm. Um, it's not. Last time I checked, Ovechkin isn't the Minister of Defense. Like he's not—he has nothing to do with it. Yes, he's friends with Putin. Yes, he maybe could change his Instagram photo. But give me a break! Like, are you kidding me? Did you watch when Putin told his his uh, ministers at the end of that very long table because they they're not allowed to sit near him? That's how much of a lunatic this guy is. When they when they heard or were directed to get ready for nuclear war, they just hung their heads like that dog that you scolded on your porch? Like, okay. Mm. So if his if if his military leaders can't even get to him in terms of talking some common sense into him, what would lead you to believe that a hockey player could? And would Ovechkin really come out and say, yeah, he's stupid? Because I don't know if you know this or not, Ovechkin probably has some family and friends back in Russia that could be rounded up by that wingnut
0: Putin. Yeah, it- Like, I understand all that, man, but, like, at the same time, Ovechkin, this was the same guy three years after Russia basically, you know, took over Crimea, the region in Ukraine there. Ovechkin was campaigning for Vladimir Putin, stating, you know, like, the Putin team or whatever, and then once this stuff started happening last week, he doesn't change his photo, so it's well known out there that he's a Putin supporter, so, like if you're a company would you want him being the face of your company when you know that you know he's tied in with them somehow well, it's the- like an equivalent to like you know a guy under like adolf hitler in world war ii wow if you, if if you watch like an ad on tv yeah. of of like a, a german player representing ccm and someone's watching there be like oh, he's from Germany, he must be like a Hitler supporter, right? Mm. Like, there's a a lot of that that goes into
1: it. You make a valid point, but I'm just going to say, a lot of this has to do with cancel culture. A lot of people don't have the stones anymore to stand up. Like, when Ovechkin becomes the all-time goal-scoring leader and he probably will, Yeah, I want him to give a couple of one-finger salutes to CCM or anybody that dumped him and want to get back on the Ovechkin train when the whole woke thing settles down a bit. Too, too much cancel culture, man. Too much cancel culture. He could change his Instagram photo. I'm not discounting what you're saying, but come on. Now, NFL quarterbacks and their social media tantrums. Whoa. Number five on the pick six. Kyler Murray scrubbed his Instagram. He wants a major deal now with the card. Should he get one? No, 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 no. I
0: don't give this guy a deal. No, it's this is the type of quarterback that you'll have on your team and in order for you to win with this type of quarterback, you need a bunch of players around them. If you sign this guy to a monster deal, he's going to be exactly where Russell Wilson is right now looking for a new team yeah. because all the money's going to Wilson. Nobody's else is around him, and that's exactly what would happen with
1: Kyler Morris. Speaking of Russell Wilson, he removed the Seahawks from his Twitter bio. Just what people in Seattle need—more reason to smoke weed. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but Russell Wilson—I tell you what—if the—if the Colts are sour on Carson Wentz. Trade Carson Wentz to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Give some first-round picks. Although that's not really Chris Ballard's way. The GM of the want, Colts. I wouldn't
0: want him if I'm Seattle. But I, I see, like, if I'm the Colts, I want Wilson.
1: Well, yeah, but if you give, if you give him a, the guy's not terrible. You look at Carson Wentz's stats, and they ran right up there with Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Look at him. Don't believe me? Look at him this year.
0: It's just the bonehead plays that he does, man. Remember last year when he was threw a. He was getting sacked in the end zone, and he just basically handed a safety to the team. It's like, yeah. he's he's too much of a goof, I think.
1: And quickly, bring it to the heartland. That's the theme of this year's Grey Cup. Do you have a favorite Grey Cup memory from one here? One here.
0: Uh, yeah, 2000, 2003, I was sitting in the end zone. I was in the end zone where uh, the Ben Cahoon catch happened. That was, yeah. uh, I was uh, 12 years old at the time. I, I close my eyes, and I can visualize it. What a catch. Like That was one of the greatest, not only... Uh, moments in Regina Grey Cup history but all together wow. uh, I, mean, I, I mean catches like single plays.
1: For me it was the Grey Cup 2013. I'm on the sidelines hanging with Darren Detition from TSN blah blah blah. The game's done. I see all the confetti fall down. I'm like I feel like I'm trapped in a postcard. I don't belong here. Like everything was, as a kid who grew up here, couldn't yeah. believe this moment happened. I grabbed Neil Hughes, my buddy from the Tom Trojans, Regina Ram fame. I grab him. Neil, how do you feel? This is effing unbelievable, Ballsy, right on CKRM. It's amazing you still have a job. That's the pick six with Zinger and Balsy, the birthday boy Zinger. Uh, when we come back, Former Regina Pat broadcaster, great broadcaster on the Calgary Flames radio network. It's Peter Lubardius on the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Ah yes, love
3: is a burning thing,
1: and it makes. Why do you do this? Why do you do this? You put Johnny Cash on. It's like a thorn between two roses. Some loser between two talented guys. Johnny Cash It's like kicking Johnny Cash off the stage. Yeah, that's enough, Johnny. I got to talk now. And then I'm supposed to introduce Peter Lubardius. Like, what are you doing, Zinger? At least you could have had some Florida Georgia line, some crappy country band. And then we could have... I'm not one of those love the music, love the brand guy.
0: It's Peter's song, you know? yeah. Johnny's a stud. Yeah. Peter's a stud. uh, uh Ballsy's a stud. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm just here just doing it for the peeps. Well, I'll right? tell
1: you what, man, we are so happy to have a new sponsor on this show, spreads.ca Canada's premier online sports betting destination. Find excellent online sports betting. It should not be a gamble, and it won't be with spreads.ca. And we're talking with the color commentator on the Calgary Flames Radio Network. That would be our friend Peter Loubardi, his former voice of the Regina Pats. I grew up listening to that guy, uh, and uh, that's part of the reason why I'm in this business. Lou, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I had Ben Hebert on the show to start the show, local guy around there now, and he gave me a homer prediction that I, even though I was an Edmonton Oilers fan, I can't outright get mad at. He said he's got the Calgary Flames winning the Stanley Cup. They're sure playing like they can, and, you know, what's interesting Speaking of betting, they screwed up my online bet yesterday. I thought for sure after they they molly whopped the Wild seven to three in Calgary that the Wild would come back, put up an effort, and maybe squeak one out. They got smoked again. Calgary beats them twelve four in back to back games, and that's not that's not a speed bump in the parking lot, Pete. That's a good hockey team. Calgary roughed no. up.
4: No, it, it most certainly is. Listen, they're playing some of the best hockey I've seen them play since i've been here and i've been around here for i guess well over a decade now going on almost 15 years which is hard to believe but um you know and the thing is too my friend the scores in both those games i'm not sure completely um matched up you know last night's 3-1 minnesota's pushing really hard um, Markstrom, again, was excellent, especially when he had to be. Calgary gets an early power play goal in the third, and you know then it becomes very, very difficult to chase this team. Um, I'm not ready to start the parade, as some other people are. Um, you know, I don't know if that's because we've seen too much over the years. Uh, I understand this team still doesn't have... whole lot of playoff experience or playoff success but i will say this this is a good team and i have not as you know i'm a pretty honest guy i've not thrown that around very easily with this bunch over the years
1: no absolutely not you are uh definitely a guy that uh is uh, measured in your praise and criticism at times or critique maybe a better word now Last year, I had picked Calgary I to be... you to be. Yeah, no, you tried to be. And you do a great job. Uh, Calgary, I picked them to be first when it was just the Canadian division, and they came up short. This is probably closer to the Calgary team I envisioned. I know they've, they've tinkered a little bit with their lineup since then, but this is definitely the Markstrom I expected to see when they signed him for $6 million, uh, six million a year plus. Your thoughts on this guy? He's a, he's a shoot-to-win board this year.
4: Yeah, he's, uh, he's terrific. And more importantly, with both Markstrom and Chris Tanev, you know, it's one thing to play a great goal and play great defense, but these guys, for me, starting, you know, with Markstrom, they're culture changers, Michael. They really are. They're, they're hardworking guys. They're veteran guys. They're, they're both very selfless guys. And in pro sports in this day and age, those types of guys aren't easy to find. And, um, you know, they show up every day. They give you everything they've got. And Markstrom is playing, you know, the last month and a half. Now, he hasn't had the same amount of shutouts. But when you watch the games and when games could turn, take a different direction, when you need a big save... Yeah, he's he's been splendid and he's a really easy guy to cheer for just because of all those things.
1: You know, uh the uh the rival team up the highway that I cheer for would envy the mm-hmm. Cal- would envy the Calgary Flames in this way the way they've developed their players drafted and developed their players through their system they've got some guys that are you know lack of a better way of putting it some organized organizationally homegrown talent right there that is a that's a that's a good way to build that team I like what they've done there in calgary
4: it it, it, it is Michael but the one thing I don't think you, anybody should forget about is what I think the biggest change is this year and there is more significant change. To this team than a lot of people think about. Um, in adding the likes of Branson and mm-hmm. Zadorov, th- this is a heavier team. This is this is a team that has three or four guys that give you a nice blend. And and that defensive pairing might not be sexy, but they have made a huge huge difference in adding you know Stanley Cup winners like Blake Coleman and Trevor Lewis, and now. Tyler to Foley what this team has now is they have experienced guys who have won and know their roles and know in a lot of cases because they played for him in the past exactly who Daryl is and what he wants and Michael you've been around sports and team sports and good team sports your whole life. you understand, how important it is for key people on your team to kind of take the keys that the coaches give you and then now you're the messengers and you reinforce it. And I think that's a story in Calgary this year that certainly from the outside, I don't think is getting enough attention. Well,
1: and I think that's a key with uh, Woodcroft and Manson and Edmonton, okay? I think, uh, no disrespect to Dave Tippett, you and I both have a lot of respect for the guy, a winning coach, Absolutely. a winning coach. I don't think it was necessarily the coach's problem, uh, totally. He can't stop pucks. But what I do see with the Edmonton Oilers is something you just mentioned with the Calgary Flames. They have more of a... There seems to be more energy, more feeling of "Hey, this is my role. I'm I'm going to get more ice time." A guy like Derek Ryan, the former Flame, that bottom six is 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 having more of a buy-in, I think, with this new uh, new regime, so to speak.
4: Well, here's what I think is great about Edmonton, but I think it's been a factor. Okay, and promise that you'll still have me on the show after
5: (laughs) I say this. I'm fine Uh, because
4: I like coming on. Is when you have two great players on your team, they generally get all the accolades. And, frankly, in Edmonton, when things don't go well, it's everybody else's fault.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, are they great players? Absolutely. But again, Michael, team sports are about team. And if I'm a member of the Oilers, and the only narrative I all, always hear is how these guys are great, and I don't mean all that much. You don't think that doesn't weigh in? So further to your point, what I think, you know, Dave's a heck of a, Dave's a great guy, was a great defenseman. Um, someday I'll tell you a couple of Dave Manson stories that go back to his midget days with the <laughs> Prince Albert Mintos, let alone the Raiders. I have one in particular. We'll leave that for another show. It's a good story. Okay. Um, But but I think what has happened there, further to your point, is I think it became really important for Jay, who A, has had connections to some of their players on their way to the Oilers. I think he's helped make everybody feel a part of it. And I'll be frank. I think that's been a struggle at times in the mcdavid sidle era.
1: Mm, that's a good point, man. Well, there's lots I wanted to get to, but uh, we're up against the clock. i got to head to your old stomping grounds, Esteban, and catch up with their outstanding voice, Nolan Cole. But I just came up with the—I want to have you on regularly if I'm, if I'm holding down this seat, and I, it just came to me. Peter's Puck. That's what we'll call this. Peter's Puck. I love it. This guy knows hockey. Nobody knows hockey like this guy from the amateurs all the way up to the pros. Thanks, Lou. Take care. Have a great day.
4: Best of luck, pal. Thanks for having
1: me. Take care. All right, when we come back on the other side of Sports Ticker, we'll catch, uh, catch up with the voice of the Estevan Bruins, Nolan Cole in a sports cage for spreads.ca on the Wolf.
0: 4.50 with the Sports Ticker. The Arizona Cardinals have signed head coach Cl- uh, Cliff Kingsbury to a contract extension. That's going to keep them under contract with the team through 2027. Now the focus lies on their quarterback, Kyler Murray. What are they going to do there? There's four games in the NHL tonight. Buffalo's in Toronto. The Rangers host the Blues. LA visits Dallas and Nashville's on the West Coast at the Seattle. Kraken and Balzy. It was 60 years ago today, March 2nd. That's a beautiful date. 1962, Wilt Chamberlain of the then-named Philadelphia Warriors dropped 100 points against the New York Knicks. It's widely considered as one of the greatest records In uh, sports history. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781
1: 2090. All right, and this is the Sports Cage on this Wednesday, brought to you by a fine new sponsor. finding excellent online sports betting shouldn't be a gamble spreads.ca is Canada's premier online sports betting destination thanks to them for getting on board and if you're betting on an SJHL hockey team this year you got to bet on the Esteban Bruins we're headed out in the western pizza hotline speaking with their voice Nolan Cole my buddy from access broadcast when we do the Pats games together how are you today Nolan? I'm good, Balgy. Thanks for having me on again. How are you doing? Good, man. It's awesome to talk to you. So uh, let's talk first about the Pats. Connor Bedard has a 12-game point scoring streak, and in that stretch, he has 10 multi-point games. You've called a couple of games with me. The last one was the one where he shot it over his shoulder, and we didn't even—well, I didn't know how he scored that goal. Uh, Where does he rank among the guys you've seen with your own eyeballs?
6: Uh, well, in terms of broadcasting games, he would be at the top. In terms of games I've called, uh, you know, he's by far the, the best player that I've seen. Uh, he, you know, ballsy, and I mean, I haven't called any pro games as of yet. Uh, he's just a special talent, and he's the kind of guy. And we've talked about this when you're watching a game live, whether you're a fan or a broadcaster, or you're just in the building. He kind of brings you to the edge of your seat every time he touches the puck. So when you told me about that most recent stat, uh, it really doesn't surprise me. I mean, this is a guy that's been putting up multi-point games consistently all season long on a Regina Pats team that I think has been pretty fun to watch, although... They've had some issues keeping the puck out of their own net, but uh, yeah, I mean, Ballsy, everyone knows he's a special talent, and uh, I think a lot of people expect him uh, to obviously be drafted first overall, and then to have a, a pretty entertaining NHL career as well.
1: Well, the Bruins are entertaining out there in the SJHL in Estevan. Now, who, uh, who is kind of Connor Bedard-like, and I don't want to put pressure on them, but who is a must-watch for the Bruins as far as skaters go?
6: Yeah, I'll throw a couple names out at you, Ballsy. Uh Mark Rumsey, I believe we talked about earlier in the, in the season. Um, you know, he leads the league in goals. Uh, he, again, every time he's got the puck on his stick, He's dangerous. To me, he has the best shot in the league. Uh, he's the Bruins' leading scorer. So, number seven, uh, Rumsey. And then the other guy that I would say is number eight, Olivier Pouliot, a Quebec guy, uh, his first year in Saskatchewan as well. And, and he's just a different kind of player. He's a lot smaller, but he's one of the best skaters in the league. And, and he's had a lot of you know, beautiful individual effort type goals all season. So, when it comes to offense, it, it really goes through Rumsey and Pouliot. And actually, those guys, those two have played together at different points in the year and have some pretty good chemistry. So, We'll see if they get reunited here in the playoffs. Last few games, they've been on separate lines, but when they play together, they're fun to watch.
1: And you talked about keeping the puck out of your net, uh, being a key for the Pats. How about the Estevan Bruins as we head to the playoffs? Let's talk about their goaltending situation.
6: Yeah, I mean, they've got, to me, the best tandem in the league. Boston below us uh, a guy who's played in the WHL in the past, and then maybe the biggest story of their season has been Cam Herdlicka, who's been just sensational in net. I think he's up to about 16 wins now, only one regulation loss all year, so he's been a pleasant surprise for the coaching staff, and actually it looks like they're going to lean on him the last few games here, Balzy, because I believe Boston Blowis is dealing with a bit of a a lower body injury. He had to come out of the last game, so it sounds like they might shut him down here for the last few games, and that means it's Cam Hurdlick's net uh, as the Bruins try to clinch top spot. If they can win the last three, they'll finish first in the SGHL, but I think when the playoffs roll around, I think obviously they want to get Boston Blowis back healthy. He's their starter, but with back-to-backs in the playoffs and some quick turnaround Turnarounds, I think they're comfortable with both those guys, and uh, their goaltending's been as strong as any other team in the league.
1: So who does it look like the Bruins will match up with in round number one?
6: It's looking very much like their opponent tonight, actually, the Notre Dame Hounds. Um, the Hounds had a big weekend. They went three for three on a road trip uh, last weekend to kind of Stake their claim for that eighth and final playoff spot. So I think the, the big question now is whether the Bruins will finish first or second. Looks like Notre Dame's going to finish eighth and grab that last spot. So if the Bruins win their final three, which I expect they will given their schedule, uh, it's fairly light, uh, they'll finish first and they'll be one versus eight through the Notre Dame Hounds. If the Bruins drop one of their last three, they could finish second and then it's looking like either Yorkton or La Ronge. But I would say at this point, it's going to be a first round matchup against Notre Dame and the travel won't be too bad. Obviously, I think yeah. it's only about an hour and a half, two hours near Regina so not too bad for a first round matchup I guess. Any
1: other tasty matchups in the first round as you see it?
6: You know what when you look at the league balls really in the middle is where kind of the teams have clumped up you've got Estevan Humboldt at the top and then below that you know Flin Flon, Battleford's Melfort separated by three points right now so Whoever matches up in those middle matchups, those are going to be enticing. Right now it would be Battleford's Melfort. Those are two very even teams. And even Flinflon flon LaRange, I think those four teams, uh, you know, they're very even. They're very tight. They play similar styles. So, um, you know, you know, we might have a bit of a mismatch in terms of who Estevan plays and who Humboldt plays, but those middle four teams, both those series, whatever the matchups end up being between those four teams I mentioned, I think those are ones to watch.
1: Well, in the national championship is the Centennial Cup played right in your backyard there in Estevan. I understand uh, they're looking at expanding the Centennial Cup. Tell me about that.
6: Yeah, I've heard all kinds of rumors. It's, uh, it's kind of evolved over the course of the season, and just with the COVID situation, they've kind of had to adapt as they go. But, you know, I've, I've even heard recently that they're thinking about having 10 teams, which would be double the usual amount, right? I think it's usually a five-team shorter tournament. Uh, they're talking about potentially going up to 10. Of course, B.C. no longer sends an entry because they're now separate from the, from the Uh But they're talking about having teams from the East Coast as far as the Maritimes, possibly Ontario. And I'm also hearing... There's there's no Anavet Cup between Saskatchewan and Manitoba this year so it sounds like the Manitoba winner will automatically be uh, awarded a berth and that would mean Estevan obviously is the host team and maybe a second Saskatchewan team as well so there's all kinds of scenarios that are that are playing out uh, now, the more t- for me, the more teams, the, the more fun that tournament has, the potential to be, right? So it'll be interesting to be uh, to, to me on what they decide. Obviously, there's some, the, some good teams that are going to be there. Obviously, the Bruins and then Brooks Bandits is having an excellent year in Alberta. So uh, however it ends up shaking down, uh, it's going to be a fun tournament to be a part of uh, come May in a couple months.
1: Yeah, so when will they decide uh, how big uh, the field will be, number one? And number two, the second part of that question, is Esteban big enough to host all those teams?
6: <laughs> yeah I mean, good questions, ballsy. They do have a second rink I- inside the complex here at Affinity Place. Obviously it doesn't have the facilities that the main rink has, so that might be an option. Uh, you know we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that uh, it's I'm, definitely even thinking, big enough- I,
1: I'm even thinking hotels yeah. and accommodations and all that stuff.
6: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think there's about three, four hotels in town. So, yeah, I mean, again, these are all just rumors that I've heard. uh, You know, we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see on on that. But I I imagine they'll want to get things finalized in the next couple of weeks right because the playoffs for most of these leagues are starting in late March here in, in Esteban it starts on March 18th I believe Manitoba starts on March 25th so you would think they would want to have them finalized uh, before those playoffs begin because obviously teams are going to want to know uh, what the criteria is and really there's been no official announcements and as a broadcaster that's a little bit frustrating you kind of want to know what's going on but on the other side I understand it because it's been an evolving situation and uh, you know obviously they've had to adapt as the year's gone along.
1: Well you know buddy announcers are- are always the last to figure it out and and to know. This is uh had been this has been Nolan Cole, the outstanding voice of the Estevan Bruins, a friend of mine. We'll talk
6: to you soon, buddy. Have a great call tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Balzi. Take care.
1: And thanks for being along with us, riding shotgun, my producer, the birthday boy, Sean Kleisinger, who turns thirty today. Much younger than Ben Roethlisberger, it's his birthday today. He played like he was fifty this year. I think he's right around 40. He's right around Philip Rivers' age. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they were in the same draft. It's also Reggie Bush's birthday. Yep, Justin Bieber, who opened the show singing to Zinger, "Happy Birthday." Bieber joined us live on the phone, yep. so you want to hear that? You can uh, check out the podcast Thank you, after. Justin. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate that. He he actually did me a favor, did a freebie for me, freebie for me. So yeah, there you man. go. I called him up. I know him personally. You say sorry. Yeah, That's, yeah we so- might replay that later. People don't believe me, but Bieber actually called in and sang. To our friend, Sean Kleisinger. Our show brought to you by a new sponsor. That's right. Finding excellent online sports betting shouldn't be a gamble. Spreads.ca is Canada's premier online sports betting destination. And you can always text us, courtesy of our good friends, Capital GMC Buick Cadillac Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Let's get those texts fired up. I'll make you famous. 936-6262. You can weigh in on the show. Some of the sports topics of the day. Um, yeah. Um, I, I always loved, uh, my buddy, Bruce Axelson who owned capital passed away recently at uh, Christmas Eve, actually last year, Ooh. he, you'd always say something to him and he'd drop a little, like a, you know, a little nugget one liner. I said to him once, uh, how's, how's it going, Bruce? He goes, well, you know, I know money talks, but mine always says goodbye. <laughs> he, always had, he always had the one line, he always had the one-liners I love that guy I miss him very much so yeah you can text us 936 the number to text now we have uh, it's Wednesday we do this in the pregame show but we'll do it during the week too where are they now Wednesday we take a trip down memory lane just before 530 with Tom Clements former quarterback of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders for a brief stint he's now the quarterback's coach with the Green Bay Packers but it is time to catch up with our next guest on the west. All right, talking with our old friend, the Superman, G-Roy Simon, and he's landed in Edmonton. I never thought I'd say that. The Edmonton Elks, how does that sound?
7: (laughs) It sounds really good. Uh, So far, uh, things have been great. Um, I never thought I'd I'd be in this situation, but um, I was given the opportunity by Fish Jones, and, and I you know, took it and it's been, it's been amazing so far.
1: How did that come to be? You know, your background with Chris, how did he know to get in contact with you? How did that work out? Is it the Wally Buono connection?
7: No, um, I, I've known Chris probably almost 20 years. Um, You know, when he was, when he was a young coach and I was a young player in the league, um, he was actually roommates with Scott Milanovic, who was my college quarterback. And that's how we ended up meeting back when he was, he was coaching in Montreal and I was, I was in my first couple of years in BC, um, and then you know we've always stayed in touch. Um, obviously, I respected Chris because you know the way he coaches and and the, and the success he's had and and um, you know the mentality he brings to to each and every uh, day at, at work and, and and on the field. So um, you know we stayed in touch for a long time, and then over the last three or four years, we we talked about possibly working together. Um, and you know when this when this opportunity came up. You know, as soon as he got the job, I was—I I think I was his first call, and um, you know, I took the job within within minutes. I, I took about 30 seconds to think about it, and and, and knew that this was going to be right—the right opportunity for me.
1: Assistant GM with the Edmonton Elks, that would be G. Roy Simon. How is this different than what you were doing with the BC Lions?
7: Well, I, I'm involved with everything now. i you know—the the job with the Lions, I was isolated to to a number, to a couple things, and and, and that was it. Um, but you know, now I, I think I'm involved. Not that I think I know I'm involved in every aspect of of building the team, you know, in 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 um, day-to-day operations and and, and uh, every every basically everything overarching when it when it comes to the organization
1: who do you look up to in the position you're in right now you talk about chris jones we'll get into that in a second would it be wally <laughs> even a guy like roy shivers the first ever black gm in professional football who is here with the rough riders and, of course with the bc lions with the calgary stampeders just to some of your mentors in in the position you're in right now g roy
7: well you know over the years, you know, I, I always watched um what, what Roy did. I watched obviously had a great a good relationship with Wally and uh, saw the um <laughs> the things that made him successful. You know, Brendan Taman has been has been a very, very close friend of mine and um, you know, has given me tons of great advice and in and, and, and helping me um uh, progress my career. Um, you know, I talked to Steve Kime, um, the, the GM in the Arizona Cardinals. He, he's a good friend of mine and um you know, he he gives me great advice uh every every now and then. Um, so you know, I, I have a I have a very small uh, group of group of people that I that I communicate with um, on you know on a monthly basis. And um, you know, just they they give me they give me great advice. But in the end, they they tell me to be be myself and go with my gut because you know I've had success in my career and I know what winning looks like. Um, you know, I, but obviously it's it's Chris's vision. But you know, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just part of that vision.
1: You mentioned advice three or four times there, and you just slipped in, go with your gut. But what else have you you learned, or or what kind of advice? When you use that word, can you be able to take from guys like Kime, Tam, and those kind of guys? What kind of advice can you hang your hat on? Is there something that sticks out uh, that uh, is a common thing amongst some of those guys you've talked to?
7: Yeah, I mean, you know. You know, we we have certain measurables when we're when we're when we're signing players that, and you know, we try to stick to that. But in the end, you you know, you got to find when it comes to the scouting side of it, you got to find good good players and guys who have had success. I really believe that guys who have had success everywhere they've been, they're going to continue to have success as long as they have a great work work ethic and and, and learn how to be professionals. Um, you know, when it comes to negotiate contract negotiations, um, I think patience is is the thing. Um, you know, you know, don't give too much, um, and know when you're leveraged. Um, so, you know, those are those are a few things that I've learned. I mean, I I've I actually learned that from Ed Hervey, um, that you know, know when you're leveraged and, and leveraged, and know when you when you have the leverage. Um, so that's the you know, I I think I take I take a little bit from everybody that I talk to. Um, you know, I I truly when I sit down with someone, I truly want to want to uh, understand who they are. and and how they got to where they got to. But then I also want to, you know, I I always want to pick their brain and and get knowledge um, because, you know, I obviously don't have all the answers. But um, I'm I'm looking for as many of them as possible. So
1: when you sit down with Chris Jones, you kind of touched on it. But when you sit down with Jonesy, what do you what do you like about what you see there? Because he comes with uh, kind of that swagger. We know him from Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Lived in a hotel. Didn't really set up any yep. roots in the community. I like the guy. But around here, the fans are like what? He's kind of a mysterious guy. What do you like about him?
7: Mm-hmm. I, the thing I like about Chris, you know, more than anything, is he cares about people um you'll never find i i i never found um anybody that i work with um that cares about his 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 um his coaches and his players more than this guy does and um he's going to look he's going to turn over every stone he's going to look in every nook every cranny to find the best players possible i've never met anybody who works as hard as this guy i never you know met anybody who who puts in the time and the effort that this guy does, and, and 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 in the end, he cares about people, and that's those are those are the biggest things that you know. I I've heard the stories uh, about him um, over the years, and obviously, I know that you know the caring part. I know about that just because our friendship over the years. But um, now that I'm I'm a part of it, um, you know, I'm I'm seeing firsthand how he really takes care of his of his people and the people that he cares about.
1: Not lying to you, Superman. When I saw the transaction wire, I had to look twice. I thought it was 2017. A Darius Bowman, uh, Manny Arsenault, who I had on the show yesterday. By the way, you guys plucked him from my radio broadcast team, so thanks a lot there. <laughs> I don't know what you have that I don't have. And then, of course, uh, our old friend Deron Carter. What do you see in those three, Sonics? Because you talk about knowing what a winner looks like. What do you and Chris Jones see in those guys?
7: well you know those those guys are veterans in the league they 've been around the league for a long time um and 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 they've they've won um you know guys they, they've had a lot of success in this league and you know they can not only bring something to the team on the field but they can also bring something to the team off the field um so you know those three guys have have you know they've they've had you know great success in the league they've they've played a a ton of a ton of football in this league and like I said, not only do they bring something a little bit on the field, but they they probably bring more off the field than than um than than, than the other.
1: You know, uh, look at your quarterbacking room there, just get a comment from you, G. Roy Simon, as the assistant GM. You've been around a lot of great quarterbacks, a lot of young developing quarterbacks. To think of a Travis Lule. you got Arbuckle, J. T. Barrett, and a bunch of other guys. Cornelius in there. What do you what do you see in your quarterback room that maybe some of us from the outside are kind of What's going to go on in Edmonton at the quarterback position?
7: Well, again, you have you have winners. You know, JT Barrett. You know, he his his reputation precedes him. You know, all the things that he's done at, at Ohio State. Um, he he did nothing but win, and he did nothing but score touchdowns. You know, throw and run for touchdowns. Um, his, I think his his uh, his winning percentage is on site ninety percent, <laughs> like 90%, and he's you know he's all time lead you know touchdown passer in Big Ten history. Um, with over 100, and that, I think he's rushed for uh, quite a bit as well. So, you know, the guy, the guy does nothing but win. Uh, Taylor Cornelius is a big, strong, athletic quarterback who played at Oklahoma State. And, um, you know, again, you know, in his career, he's won, he's won a lot of games. He's going for a lot of yards, and he's got a, he's got immense talent. Um, Nick Arbuckle, he's you know, he's a guy. He's he doesn't have as much experience in the league um, as some of the top guys in the league, but. Um, you know when he gets his opportunity he, he's done a good job, so um we feel confident about our quarterback room. We feel that you know these these guys can um you know they 'll all compete for for the job um you know and that, and that's that 's across the board across across our entire team. Nobody will be given anything um but an opportunity. And um, it's up to them to win to win the job as a starter.
1: Kind of a nice breath of fresh air around there. Jonesy comes in. I think it's good for the league that Chris Jones come, uh, comes in. Back to a place where he won a great cup before he left. It's always great to have G. Roy Simon in the league. You got a cool new president, it seems. And you guys are teasing some swag too. Uh, and you were always a swag guy. I think the CFL, if there's one thing the CFL's done right, it has the uniforms down. So I'm interested to see what you guys have tweaked there. Does it look good? Can you, can you give us a little inside hint there, buddy?
7: Well, I can't, I can't give any, 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 uh, any inside information, but i tell you what. Um, the CFL is, is, is coming back. Um, you know, we had a tough couple of years, especially with COVID and, and losing the year. But um, i tell you what, the Edmonton Elks, um our new president, Victor Cuey. Um, This is the first time I've ever sat down and had dinner with the president one-on-one. And, you know, I had dinner with him, you know, two nights ago. And, you know, he's got some great ideas. He's got a great vision. um, And he's, you know, he's he's all about making, you know, not only the Edmonton Elks, but uh, the CFL cool uh, and making it a cool experience um, from some of the things that he's done in his past and in in different business ventures. So I'm, I'm excited for for what, uh, for the future of, of again, the, the Edmonton Elks, but also the CFL.
1: G-Roy, I'm happy to have you in the league with, uh, with a bigger uh, role in this league. I always enjoy talking to you, my friend, and I'll be cheering for you except for when the green and gold go against the vaunted green and white, okay?
7: Awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always great to speak with you.
8: Now we check in with the players, coaches, movers, and shakers who help build Canada's league. It's Where Are They Now? Early start by Hamilton defensively. They put an arm on him, but he finds the cross into the end zone. He goes.
1: Yeah, it is Wednesday on the Sports Cage, so it's time to take a trip down memory lane and our where are they now Wednesday feature and today we're going to take a look back at the great career in the CFL of Tom Clements. Now, where do you know that name from? Well, Tom Clements was most recently the passing game coordinator for Arizona, the Cardinals. He's been with Notre Dame. He's coached with the Green Bay Packers before and they just lured him out of retirement to become the quarterback's coach with the Packers. So, that maybe he can convince Aaron Rodgers to stay because Aaron Rodgers was coached by Clements when he first broke into the league and he thinks very highly of Tom Clements. So yeah, let's uh let's catch up with Clements. You remember him. He played with the Ottawa Rough Riders. Remember 1976? The touchdown pass to Tony Gabriel to sink the Riders in the Grey Cup. Yeah, the one we hate. Tommy Clements was the guy that threw that touchdown pass. Tom Clements would come for a brief stretch to Saskatchewan. What pops into your mind when you think about Saskatchewan and more specifically your short time here with the Rough Riders?
5: Well the the, uh, the main thing is that that's uh, the place of my daughter's birth. <laughs> my first child was born in Regina when I was with the Rough Riders so that's uh, that's a very fond memory but uh, I did only have a short stay there um before I was uh, uh traded to Hamilton but uh uh even though we didn't win many games um in at, at that time I uh, have fond memories of my stay there met some good people and um it was a it was a nice place to play football.
1: I know uh, watching you over the years. I, I was only a seven year old boy when Tom Clements was here in 1979, Ron Lancaster in his first year coaching, and I, and I'm as I watch your career progress, I'm thinking, man, would it have been something if Tom was here with an offensive line that could block for him and some talent around him? Do you kind of have that uh, that wish when you were here in that brief spell because he did have a young, inexperienced front line in front of you there.
5: Yeah, that's true. Uh there were a number of rookies and uh the, um it was, it came at the uh my time there came at the end of uh, Ronnie's time where they had a uh, he was playing quarterback. He had a lot of experience. Uh people on the line had a lot of experience and they all seemed to um leave at the same time and they had to uh, had to rebuild. And you know, that's difficult, but uh um a couple of years after that uh The Rough Riders had one of the best offensive lines in the CFL, so it it paid dividends later on. But unfortunately, when I was there, there there were some growing pains.
1: I did a dinner with Tony Gabriel. He told me on that famous catch in 1976 that you changed the play in the huddle. It came in different from the sidelines. What do you remember about that play and that 76 Grey Cup that broke Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans' hearts?
5: Well, uh, Tony has it somewhat right. That they, they, someone was coming in with a play, and uh, I already had a play in mind to call. And I waved. Uh, it was Gary Kuzik, who was a wide receiver, was coming in with a play from the sideline, and he got about halfway there, and I just waved him back, and I, I went ahead and called the play that uh, that I had in mind, and uh, that was the play to Tony, and it was. Uh, you know, it was uh, obviously a, uh, a very memorable play. It uh, enabled us to win the championship. It was a, uh, it was a hard-fought game. Um, the Rough Riders were a great team. Um, they, uh, they were favored in that game, and fortunately we, were, we got some big plays. Uh, we got a punt return for a touchdown, and uh, we got that play at the end of the game with uh, only a little bit of time left, so fortunately we, we were able to pull it out.
1: Was that an agonizing time, Gabriel's wide open? You throw him a pass. Did it seem like forever that that ball was going to come down?
5: Uh no, not really. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a play that uh, we've we had run a number of times uh, throughout the year, and even in uh, previous and and later years, we ran that play. It was a very, it was one of our base plays, and uh, we executed it. Uh, uh, a number of times so it's it just when, when you call a play in a situation like that that you have a lot of experience with and uh, you know the ins and outs of it uh, you just react and execute and hopefully it goes your way
1: now tom clements had an unbelievable college career with notre dame including leading them to an unblemished national championship in 1973 you go undrafted did you come to the canadian football league with a bit of, bit of a chip on your shoulder the fact that you weren't drafted in the nfl
5: well, I, I don't know if I'd say that. Um, I mean, it was—I uh, wanted to continue to play football. I had an opportunity uh, to to try out as a, at another position in the NFL at that time, but I wanted to continue to play quarterback, and um, I looked at it a, as an opportunity. And it was a it was a little bit different type of game than obviously than the uh, American college game. And uh, once once I got used to it, I, I enjoyed it very much.
1: Were you surprised at the quality of talent in the CFL when you got up here?
5: Well, I didn't know a whole lot about it um there um we got a few games at that time on television and uh, I I remember uh, you know I had played at Notre Dame and Joe Theismann had played at Notre Dame and we saw some games uh when he was playing with uh, Toronto um so I had a little bit of an understanding of, of it but uh really didn't uh, get into it uh and know it uh know the ins and outs of it until i went up there
1: what was uh, what was tom clement's best quality as a player I've, I've heard a lot of your teammates james murphy uh tony gabriel joe poplasku i've talked to they say calm cool knowledgeable etc cetera, etc cetera. what would you say was your best attribute as a quarterback
5: well uh i i think what they said uh, i probably would agree with i tried not to let uh, things bother me i tried to be as prepared as i as i could um uh, going into a game, and uh, I, I don't know what it's like up there now, but at that period of time, all the quarterbacks called their own plays, which was a lot of fun. But yeah, it was it was a lot of responsibility. So I, I think I'd, I think I was a good play caller and um, made adjustments during the course of the game that uh, enabled us to, to have some success.
1: Now, you you studied law. You're an accomplished lawyer. Uh, how did that help you uh, with becoming a quarterback? By that, I mean, as a lawyer, you'd have to have a lot of preparation. As a quarterback, you got to have a lot of prep work, too.
5: Well, that's true. I mean, it's... Uh, uh... A lawyer is a uh you have to be a detail oriented person and uh, as a quarterback uh, as i just mentioned calling calling your own plays you have to have to be detail oriented oriented you have to uh, have a have a play in mind and a thought in mind uh, for each situation that might arise during the course of the game and um, practice those plays during the course of the week and and be ready to execute them uh, Come game time. So it's a lot of work, a lot of study, and hopefully you have the right play in mind at the right time.
1: You had a great stint as a quarterback with the Tabbies after you left the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And then September 21st, 1983, you're traded to Winnipeg. Uh, was it something that you wanted? Or were you surprised you were traded? What do you remember about that day?
5: Well, yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> I, I didn't anticipate it. I, I remember my wife and I were uh sitting at home watching TV at night and then the uh sports came on and they uh were talking about the big trade, me for Dieter Brock, and that's the first I heard of it. Uh and so I had to call the uh the Tiger Cats the next day and say, "Is this true?" <laughs> and uh, they said, "Yeah." And uh I was on my way to Winnipeg shortly thereafter, but uh, it was. Uh, I enjoyed my time in, in Hamilton, but uh, really, my years in Winnipeg were, uh, you know, some of the better years during my career. And uh, we had a great organization, a couple, uh, some great teams, and was able to win another uh, Grey Cup championship. So it worked out.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But let, uh, wait a minute. So you, the, the great Tom Clements, finds out on the TV he's been traded. <laughs> were you were you mad?
5: well i uh I was probably a little upset, I don't recall exactly but uh, you, you don't like to find out that way it uh i um, I'm a person who doesn't like sudden change quite like that and uh once I got over it and got to Winnipeg and uh saw the type of uh, talent and organization we had there, I was uh, I was uh, glad that it happened.
1: Yeah, what an explosive team in Winnipeg. Willard Reeves, uh,
5: Poploski,
1: I think Rick House was there. You had James Murphy. Just talk about those weapons.
5: Well we we had a lot of good weapons on offense. Um uh, Jeff Boyd was also there at that time as you mentioned Rick and Joe were the inside receivers and Willard was uh uh the the running back. We also had James Sykes when when Willard got hurt and we had an outstanding line. Uh, you know Chris Walby who's a Hall of Famer was there at that time and uh it was we just had a lot of talent offensively and uh, Cal Murphy was the coach. And uh, he was a, a great coach, and uh, it was uh, as I said, we we were fortunate to uh, to field some outstanding teams and uh, win a championship. So it was a lot of fond memories of my days in Winnipeg. Who did you
1: have the best chemistry with, Tom? With those names you mentioned on offense, if you had to pick one guy that maybe you had the best chemistry with,
5: that'd be hard to do because uh, I mean I think uh, one year we had uh, three guys with. Uh, tons of catches and uh, over a thousand yards and um I, I had chemistry with who was ever open
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sp- spoken like a a quarterback and later an offensive coordinator we'll get into that in a second well, how surreal was it for you though to play in the 84 gray cup a frigid game in edmonton against dieter brock and the hamilton tiger cats the guy you were traded for
5: well it's uh it it, it was a little bit different um you know, I had uh, been to Hamilton only, uh, I, I think the trade occurred in 83. And yeah. the next year we played in the Grey Cup. So I uh, still knew a lot of people there. I uh, knew a lot of the, of the coaches and a lot of the players. Um, and so it was uh, it was fun to, to go up against them. And uh, fortunately, we were able to pull it out.
1: If you had a chance to relive one play or one game or, you know, one moment in the CFL, is there one that comes to mind uh, for you?
5: Uh, well, uh, obviously, uh, on the good side, um, the, 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 the play we talked about in, in Ottawa with, uh, in the gray cup yeah. was uh, it was a lot of fun. And in uh, winning the championship in, in, um, in Winnipeg later on in 84, you'd love to relive that, but, uh, I'd like another shot at a couple of the times in the, uh, in the, uh, Eastern or western final where we weren't successful so it would have been nice to to get to the great cup and win a couple more
1: did you did you always want to be a coach was it something you've always wanted
5: uh no it wasn't um i i I always thought i'd play my career and uh then be a lawyer for the rest of my life that's uh, uh, that's why i went to law school in the off seasons uh during my uh, i think i started after my fifth year i went back to school and um Thought it was time to start preparing for life after football, and I had a long career, played 13 years, and then uh, practiced law for the big law firm. Uh, In Chicago. That's what I wanted to do. Did that for about uh, four or five years or so. And as I got into doing it more, I I missed football and uh, did not like uh, as much the practice of law. So I had an opportunity to go to Notre Dame uh, and and start my coaching career. And I'm glad I made the move.
1: Now, uh, you've coached uh, a lot of good quarterbacks, and and we'll talk about some of the ones that you've helped uh, have career years. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Brett Favre. If you had to win one game, could you choose which one you wanted the quarterback your team to win?
5: Well, as you say, they're they're both great quarterbacks. Uh it's uh it's difficult, but if I had to choose one, um probably Aaron. Uh he he just does everything exactly right, um, takes care of the football and he has a lot of talent. Uh both he and Brett have a lot of talent and uh it, maybe give the edge to Aaron because of that factor.
1: Now you've coached uh, guys like Elvis Gerbach, Cordell Stewart, Kelly Holcomb, and Tommy Maddox to career years. Uh, do you get more satisfaction as a coach when you do something like that or you're coaching Aaron Rodgers in an MVP type of season? What What's more of satisfaction as a coach?
5: Well, it's uh, – I think uh, – all of those situations are satisfying. If you can help a guy play well, um, it's you kind of live vicariously through your players. Uh, obviously, you can't play the game anymore, but you can uh, try to get another guy ready to play, and if he can play at a high level, uh, that's great. Um, so you, get your, you have satisfaction with uh, with every scenario, but uh, you love to have those superstars.
1: That's Tom Clemens joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll stay on the hotline and talk with Farhan Lalji of TSN. He's at the Combine in Indy. We'll be back in a moment. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, let's keep the show rolling. The DJ, Sean Kleisinger, the birthday boy, has got the music pumping. You don't believe me? We got Bieber to sing happy birthday to Kleisinger, and we will play that. We'll replay that in the 6 o'clock hour. That's right. All the stars are here, including our friend farhan lalji who joins us on the western pizza hotline and we got to give them their shout out dinner time game time anytime a great time to order western pizza ask your local western pizza location about their specials and we got a special announcement about western pizza coming up later in the week little on location deal there on location at the combine in indianapolis is our friend farhan lalji from tsn farhan how are you today my friend
9: Good, ballsy. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to doing these segments
1: with you for a while. Here. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Okay, so Farhan, uh, before we get to the combine, I'm, I'm, we got this dollar gala guy from. Uh, he was with the Packers. He was with the Bengals. He was with uh, the Patriots. He's a big, tall guy like Paxton Lynch was uh, was with the Rough Riders. I I'm rocking my brain. When's the last really tall quarterback been in the CFL? And if so. Like, it doesn't. we never get them, and maybe it's because the tall guys are looked as high prospects in the NFL, so they stay there. And if there has been a tall guy, he hasn't been very successful in the CFL. Would I be right when I say that? I'm just trying to rack my brain that's, here.
9: Yeah, totally. You know, we went through this exercise, and I'm trying to think of anybody that was above 6'3", that had a lot of success in this league. And you don't have a lot of it, right? Because, yeah, the mobility matters here, right? And, and I think as much as anything else, like, that's just what scouts look for, right? I, I think before that player even has a chance to come up here and show whether he can or can't, uh, a lot of scouts look at you know, a, a player with that kind of size and says, ah, you know, this is what we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys get labeled as pro-style quarterbacks versus dual-threat quarterbacks and things like that. And, you know, there was a time when, when height was an issue in the NFL. It's not anymore. So, I, you know, I, just, I think it's going to be harder and harder uh, unless you happen to be, you know, if you're Justin Herbert and you can move like Justin Herbert, yeah. it's okay. Right, yep. uh, but be, you know, beyond that, I, I think it's going to be uh, difficult for that classic pro style S quarterback. And I, I think, like, how tall is Trevor Cornelius?
1: Yeah, I, for, I, he's got, he got be. I think he's about six three. I saw, if I'm not mistaken, right around there. Might uh, off the top of my head, I have to Google that here. But yeah, he'd be, be about yeah, six. Like, yeah, Google yeah, that I mean, Zinger. You know,
9: like, and and maybe he winds up being that guy, right? That happens to be a little bit taller, but generally, I mean. I think of Ricky Ray is tall in this league and Ricky Ooh. Ray probably wasn't much over
1: 6'2, 6'3. 6'5, Cornelius is a 6'5 guy. So there you go and he had his uh, he had his issues but maybe that was with inexperience. We'll find out here going forward. Okay, let's talk Indianapolis the combine. Like this is is this the last year for it in Indianapolis? Like they want to move this thing around and they're charging they're making it a fan experience now, aren't they Farhan? Yeah, there's not a big fan experience
9: this year, but I know that that's the direction they want to get into, and I think they've narrowed it down to three potential cities where they'll move it to, and and Indianapolis is in that mix, and if you talk to anybody involved in the National Football League, like any of the agents, any of the coaches, any of the GMs, the scouts, all of them, nobody wants to leave Indy. The setup here is fabulous because you've got the stadium, which is connected to the convention center, which is connected by a walkway to all the major hotels. You could not find a more convenient setup for an event like this than, than what you have in Indianapolis. You know? But the league, and look, it's smart business from the part of the league. They want to just create another event, right? Like you, you know, you've got the draft, which is a big event, which follows the Super Bowl as the biggest event. And now the Combine is going be, to become next because all the media is here. right? I mean, one of the things with the Combine, it's really, really well attended as a media event because you have uh, all of the NFL media that's here, but then you also get a big contingent of college media that's here. And, you know, so from, from that perspective, you know, there, there really is a reason for more people to want to be here. So certainly you're not going to get the international media here. But uh, as far as, uh, you know, the the amount of attendance you get at a combine would rival that. I mean, it would blow away the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? And it yeah. would rival that of... Uh, Major League Baseball and, and NBA and their larger events as well.
1: I remember the first CFL week, and obviously we got away from it because of the COVID situation. And when it comes back, I'd love to, like, they threw it together, they threw it in Saskatchewan, and because I think it was in Saskatchewan, we pulled it off. But, you know, they had some celebrities like Warren Moon, UTSN guys came in, we had our combine workouts there. I would love to see at least till they get it established. I would love to see it in Saskatchewan, like you mentioned, Indianapolis, the heartland of football, and they've got the perfect setup for it here on the grounds at real place here.
9: Yeah, it is, it's a good place for it. I know the Winni- they did it the following year in Winnipeg mm-hmm. because, of course, Winnipeg thinks they can do it all better, right? And we know that that's not always the
1: case. <laughs> that's true. And,
9: you know, and, and Regina did a fabulous job of hosting it, and, and I do think they need to get back to that type of event because, you know, when they did it, it was an exercise designed to bring a bunch of important CFL events together. So while there was a lot of cost associated with putting it on, you were also eliminating cost in other venues. So you had CFL league meetings and board of governors meetings and all of those types of events. They had the car wash that they used to bring people into Toronto to TSN for. You had the combine. You, you know, there was a number of different things. And quite frankly, I think when they did it in Sask, they were, they were genuinely surprised at the amount of news it generated in the off season. So I think, you know, as a league – once financially they get into a position to do it, um, I, I think they need to make it a priority because I think it was very good for the
1: league. This is Farhan Lalji, our uh, TSN football expert. Uh, of course, you see him do play-by-play and uh, outstanding sidelines uh, work and work with the Vancouver Canucks, so he has a lot of uh, different uh, sports balls in the air, so to speak, does a great job at all of them. Okay, continuing with the combine. I had said this. The the Colts seem cool on Carson Wentz. They're non-committal, okay? And we talked about those big quarterbacks that can run. Hear me out. His stats are pretty comparable to Josh Allen's. Now, if you're asking me would I take Allen or Carson Wentz, I'd I'd take Allen, but Carson Wentz wasn't terrible until the end of the year, but it looks like the Colts are cooling on him because of losses to the, uh, I think it was the Raiders and of course a terrible one of the Jags at the end of the year. How about Carson Wentz and some draft high draft capital from the Colts to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson, who took the Seahawks off his Twitter bio uh, farhand. And hey, I'll tell you what, the, the, the Colts need a little bit of help at receiver, but they got a championship defense like Wilson used to have, and Russell Wilson can cook something up in Indy in a dome stadium.
9: Yeah, except John Schneider and Pete Carroll both said today the, the office is closed when it comes to Russell Wilson. We're not even, you know, we're not taking those calls. or You know, teams are trying to call them, but they're just saying that our quarterback's not up for sale anymore, and they've kind of closed the door on it. And, you know, those are their words, not mine. So we'll see how real that is. You know, I think there's less smoke around the Russell Wilson story than there was a year ago because mm-hmm. last year he put out those four teams, and this year uh, he was asked just recently by uh, Washington, D.C., um, by some of their media about coming there because he's got some history in that area uh, in Virginia and what have you. And he, you know, he talked about how much uh, he loves it in Seattle. So I think there's less smoke around it. Um, uh, maybe he's just building his brand beyond the Seahawks because of Sierra yeah. and everything else, right? They're trying to be the NFL's second biggest power couple behind Brady and Giselle. So I, I can't speak to the Twitter part, but both Carol and Schneider talked today and really cooled on any of that talk uh, for this one. So, We'll see. we'll see if it heats up again. doesn't sound like it's going to. As far as Wentz is concerned, I, I think they want to move on, right? But I've never seen an off-season where, at the quarterback position, demand outweighs the supply to this degree. There are a number of teams that are aching for a quarterback right now, and there simply aren't obvious solutions. You talk about the Denver Broncos, the Colts if they move on from Wentz, the Pittsburgh Steelers, teams that are ready-made in certain areas of their roster but but obviously you're missing a quarterback and and there are more than that as you know so yeah you know when you when you look at it um i i think the colts would love to move on but they got to decide who's better like who is going to give us a better chance that's available because that guy's not in the draft right you know this is considered to be a real weak quarterback class some guys will probably you know they'll probably be three to four quarterbacks that still go in the first round just because teams are so needy and and they, they might take a flyer if you've got a mid to late first round pick But um, no obvious guys in free agency. I think people believe Wilson's going to stay in Seattle. They believe Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay. And if all of that happens, right, like, all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo gets overvalued, right?
1: If well, there, go to there's one name you haven't mentioned. There's one name you haven't mentioned. Uh, the, the Dolphins say they're done. They've closed the door. And the Eagles were asked about Deshaun Watson, but they say, mm-hmm. hey, we've got Jalen Hurts. What, what is going to happen with Watson? And our team's not touching him because of his whole massage fetish or whatever the heck it is.
9: Well, I think they're not touching him because of the lack of clarity around that situation, right? And, uh, you know, the Dolphins, it was good for them to kind of finally say that and, and give Chuitanga Bailo a vote of confidence. As far as Jalen Hurts, look, I like him, and he's really liked in that building.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
9: we'll see if he can fully develop as a passer, and they can have a bit more of a, a modern offense to get done what they need to, and not be as run dependent as they have been under Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, it, it all comes down to what the alternative is, right? And right now, it's a smart thing for them to say, "We're all in on Jalen Hurts and roll another year with this experiment and see where it goes," because there just is nobody. And, and again, if if Watson winds up before the draft. You know, that really is, I don't want to say it's a hard deadline, but that's the next meaningful milepost. If he can settle on a bunch of these cases, um, you know, I, there's going to be interest in him, right? He's just too talented, and there just is too much demand at the position.
1: Yeah, okay, so John Metchie, the receiver from the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide who hurt his uh, uh, ACL in the big game. Um, what's up with him, and is that injury going to affect his draft stock, one of the highly touted Canadians coming up here in the draft?
8: Yeah,
9: I think it will, uh, unfortunately, because I think Mechie's a talented player and he's delivered on everything he's needed to at an Alabama program, which just produces big-time receiver after big-time receiver, right? So coming into the year, you know, the next in line, and he's going to be a 1st round pick, and then Jamison Williams, the transfer, had an even better season, or at least a more tantalizing season because of his speed. So both guys hurt their ACL. Jamison Williams is still going to go in the first round because of that speed. And for whatever reason, people question Mechie's speed, and they think he's... You know, a mid four five guy. He thinks he could have run mid to low four fours if he was able to test. And here's the one thing about about uh, Mechie. Consider that in the last two seasons, he's had more yards after the catch than any other Power Five receiver. He's had a thousand yards after the catch, exactly a thousand, according to Pro Football Focus. So, but yet people can, are concerned with that. You know, they think he's a great route runner. He's got you know, he's in and out of his cuts. He's fantastic. He does so many things well. Best blocking receiver in the draft, but all of a sudden the injury has taken him from a late first round pick to potentially as low as the third round, which would be really disappointing for him. But it would be great value. He met with about half the teams already. There's a lot of people tying him to the New England Patriots. I think if the Patriots could get him in the second round, they would be all over him and trying to reunite him and Mac Jones. Uh, as, a, as a pretty good duo there because those two guys had very good chemistry together at Bama.
1: Farhan, quickly, who else in terms of Canadian talent is, uh, is being talked about or, or you're watching at the Combine watching for there?
9: Well, the only other one here is Jesse Lucetta, the linebacker from Penn State, and his stock really elevated. You know, he had a late-round grade. He had a good season. He had a late-round grade coming out of uh, the season. But then he went to Senior Bowl, and he was outstanding. He was outstanding all week during practice. And then in the game he had a couple of sacks, including a strip sack and a, another tackle for loss. And all of a sudden he opened up a lot of eyes And that he's probably going to be a day two selection and he can really serve himself well with uh, a very good combine performance because he's a guy that, you know, you it's really interesting when a guy goes from being a tweener to the positionless player in a good way, right? Like an Isaiah Simmons type guy uh, with, with the Cardinals right out of Clemson. So, you know, he's played off the ball inside linebacker, off the ball outside linebacker, hand in the dirt defensive end, you know, and so initially you're like, he's a tweener, right? When he's a late-round selection, then when he has his senior bowl performance, and if he can couple that with a good combine, now you think, okay, well, he's not Micah Parsons, who's a good friend of his and moves around all over that Dallas defense, but he could be a real value pick and a guy that we can move around in a positive way as opposed to that tweener label, which can become a negative, so... You know, the word on him is he does is so many things well but that he might be a little stiff at times like just in terms of change of direction. So if he can show well in those movement drills here, uh, you know, and some of the explosive drills, I think, he can, I think he can really elevate because people loved what they saw from him at Senior Bowl.
1: Well, you're a great follower at Farhan Lalji, uh, TSN, and uh, on one of your tweets was great. It's an under-the-radar signing by the BC Lions. DeAnthony Thomas, you want to talk about speed, former Oregon Duck. Yeah. Never did live up to expectations in the NFL, but this league is tailor-made for the 29-year-old. In a minute or less, talk about how great of an under-the-radar signing, intriguing signing by the Leos.
9: Well, you know, I loved seeing him, and I hated him at the University of Oregon because I'm a massive Washington yeah, fan, and I despise Oregon. Yeah. So to, to get him in the CFL is good for the league because he was so good at Oregon and dynamic, and I don't know why he didn't fit, but he's a guy that you can bounce around. I think instantly he's going to be a dynamite tick returner for them. He could work into a few receiving packages, and you could even run him out of the backfield from time to time like the Bombers do with Nick Dembski because he, he's done that before. Even at the NFL level, he's had some carries, so you know your versatile piece he's going to be hungry you know he, he's at the stage where he's not going to be able to go back to the nfl tomorrow right because he's now gotten a little bit older but he could be a great find here in the cfl and we could be talking about him for a while if he can you know just adjust to the nuances but it seems that the rules here are tailor-made for him
1: Farhan, thanks for this look forward to our future ch- chats uh, continued uh, success there uh, at uh, the combine in indianapolis we'll talk to you soon buddy
8: Thanks, Bill. Have a good week.
1: That is Farhan Lalji on the Western Pizza Hotline. Coming up, a quick sports ticker, and then on the other side, we got to talk to some amateur coaches in the city, Steve Burroughs and John Ford, the outgoing coach of the Leboldis Golden Suns. 5.57
0: with the sports ticker, four games in the NHL tonight. Buffalo's in Toronto, the Rangers host the Blues. And the Los Angeles Kings, they visit Dallas to take on the Stars. Nashville is on the West Coast to take on the Seattle Kraken. And Regina Pats game day, Pats are in Brandon tonight. Pre-game show at 6.35, puck drop at 7 on 6.20 CKRM. The sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 7.81. 2090.
1: Dante DiCaria on the call and of course Connor Bedard carrying in a 12 game point scoring streak and in that stretch he's had 10 multi-point games. He's the WHL player of the month and you can watch him here on Friday when the Red Deer Rebels come to town. By the way, Glenn Suter's in studio tomorrow with us. He is That's in right. studio because he's in for TeleMiracle. TeleMiracle, yeah. And then we got a special thing with Glenn Suter on Monday we'll tell you about. Suits on the road. Suitcase Suter we'll call it. Suitcase suitor. Anyway. Our brain waves are uh, working. That's right. That's right. Well, they should work for you. You're mature today. You're 30. Right. Before the end of the show, yep. you'll hear Justin Bieber. He called in earlier to start the show. He called in live. He called in live and wished happy birthday to Zinger. Uh, Zinger uh, and him, close in age. Bieber turned 28 yesterday. Zinger turns 30 today. Coming up after six o'clock, John for the out. Going coach of the powerhouse football team, the LeBoldis Golden Suns in the high school ranks, and the coach of the U of R Cougars men's basketball team, Steve Burroughs. They'll join us before the show wraps up. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And thanks for listening to us today. Wherever you're checking us out from, we do appreciate it. I guess what I meant to say is, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, we know you have choices. Thanks for making us your choice. Yes, Ballsy in the big chair along with the birthday boy, Sean Kleisinger. We'll hear from Steve Burles, the head coach of the University of Virginia Men's basketball team. Getting ready for the playoffs. I believe they got their playoff weekend this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Playoffs? I think it's up in, I want to say up in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, McEwen University, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll get to that when uh, he joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Yes, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. I am going to go there, one of the places, and pick myself up a, a nice Caesar salad and a oh. pepperoni ham and mushroom Western Doesn't pizza. that sound like a good birthday meal right now there you go hey i already bought you a tea and donut don't be i'm skinny i need more than <laughs> a donut you do you are <laughs> skinny man look at you twisted steel and sex appeal and yeah. that jawline there at mm. 30 years old hey uh sponsor alert We got a new sponsor that's right new sponsor look at i told you i told you zinger if they give me this job and it's still an if if they give me this job the sponsors will follow they will it's just it's just a given and everybody's oh ballsy that's not the kid that'll never happen oh it won't happen will it well let's tell you right now about the sponsor today's sponsor and tomorrow's sponsor uh Finding excellent online sports betting shouldn't be a gamble. Spreads.ca is Canada's premier online sports betting destination. It's the best place to go. There you go. Thanks to, uh, to them for getting on board. They know a winner when they see one, and so do we. This guy's a winner. We were talking about the Combine in Indianapolis. Well... Coming up this month, a little later on, it is the regional, the national combines, and one of the guys shooting up the prospect chart is a guy from the Yorkton area. That would be big offensive lineman. This guy is well over six feet, over 300 pounds. He's a building with feet, as I like to say. Noah Zur. Last time I talked okay. to you, Noah, we were talking about uh, the uh, the YouTube Top 50 show that I do, and I'm bringing back again next year, and you will figure prominently in it. How has the Noah Zerr I'm talking to now, the guy getting ready for the Combine, the guy who's highly touted in the upcoming CFL draft, how is he different than from the guy I talked to about this time last year?
10: Um, I honestly, uh, that's a good question, Baldy. Uh I guess, to me, there there is no real difference. Um, I think when we had talked this time last year, I was still the same guy. I was still working hard, working around the clock to uh, better my game and, and better my talent. And I think I did that pretty successfully this season and pretty successfully the off season between this, this last year and this year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, to me, it's just, it's an accumulation of the work that I've put in throughout my career and, and the, uh, things that a lot of my teammates have helped me to do.
1: Noah, did you always work hard or did a light kind of go off that I got to do this to go to the next
6: level?
10: Um, I've always been a pretty hardworking guy, you know, uh, back home we didn't really have a football team so i had to go to yorkton i think we've talked about this story before but Mm -hmm. i built it in yorkton throughout high school because i wanted to play football right Mm -hmm.
2: uh
10: throughout high school i had done a lot of morning workouts with coaches and and even my dad my dad helped me um kind of get ready for that university level football because he had played there before uh played the huskies before i did back in the 80s and And I've just had a lot of people help me along the way, but I've never been one that's hard to motivate, I would say. Uh, I love working hard, and all I ever really need is someone to show me the way. And once we get that kind of all settled, it's – it's just me putting my, uh, my nose to the grindstone and working as hard as I can, which is something I love doing.
1: So, Noah, how did you get better? You talked about getting better, but be specific for me. How did you get better this year? That's where I was kind of going with this. How is this version of Noah's better than the one I talked to a year ago? I, I always knew you were a good hard worker and a good kid and, and a good person. I wouldn't think that would change. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, you're polishing up your interview skills because you got to do that for, for the interview process of this thing coming up here for the draft. But how have you gotten better as a as a football player.
10: Yeah, no, to, uh, I guess, to circle back to that question, um, I think I just hadn't, at that point when we talked last year, I just hadn't been able to show my stuff to the amount that I have this year. Um, I think I've always been working hard. I've always been trying to get better. But uh, that COVID season just really limited the amount of exposure everybody was able to get. So I think I was ready when we talked last. But I do think that this, this year has been new for me. In that I've been able to face some really good competition and show my my uh, my talent on a national level. You know, the Huskies had a really great year. We went to the Vanier, and I got some really good, um, really good exposure in front of a lot of good coaches, a lot of good players, against a lot of good players. Um, and that was really that was really special for me. But I think the biggest thing for my improvement was approaching everything I do like a professional. You know, if if you want to be a professional, you have to act like a professional. So I think for the last couple of years, um, through this process, and through talking with guys like you, and through working with coaches like Scott Flory and Lane Brixa, um, I've just begin. I began to approach everything like a professional would. Um, it was always my dream to play in the CFL, so every workout I tried to do it as though I was already in the pros. Every interview I took, I tried to speak as eloquently as a professional athlete would. Um, every little skill development time that I kind of set aside for myself, I approached like a professional athlete would. You know, it's, it's always been my dream to play in the CFL, but you have to work like a pro to be a pro, and I think that's something that me and my parents have always sworn by. So just working really hard and working really smart and getting a lot of good leadership from guys like Patrick Newfeld and Evan Johnson, guys that have kind of walked this path before me, Matlin Riley to be one, Connor Bergeloff. I've had a lot of professional talent around me in my career, so it's been a very easy transition for me um, to work like these guys have and work like these guys are and just kind of follow the lead of a lot of great leaders and a lot of great players that have come through our uh, our Husky football program.
1: National run, Noah sir. You played really good against a very good defensive line in the Western Mustangs. Uh, I don't I don't think you gave up a quarterback sack uh, in that game or even a pressure that I could see. But just grade your, uh, your play through the playoffs because I thought that was a really big step for you. And what was it like for your game to go against some different competition? Mm-hmm.
10: Well, it's the old adage, you have to, you got to beat the best to be the best. You know, and I think um, I, me and my own line coach were talking about it. And I think it was the Hardy Cup semi, the Hardy Cup. Um, no, excuse me, sorry. It was the Hardy Cup, the Tech Bowl, and the Vanier. We had faced back-to-back-to-back um, Metris nominees,
2: mm-hmm. right?
10: So in Brock Allenlock in the Hardy Cup, um, Cardinal in the Utech Bowl, and then again Deontay Knight, who ended up winning the Metris in the Vanier. So um, I think every week, during that playoff run we were just really excited to play some really good defensive lines you know i think with our husky offensive line we had a lot of veteran leadership and um, i was just lucky enough to be one of those guys and we are ready for war every single week you know um we really want to play those those talented teams and those well-run organizations and we really want to to show our stuff against some of the best defense defensive line units in the country.
1: Okay, so I'm going to take you through some interview questions. Let's prep you here, okay? Let's do a little prep work here, okay? Sure. See if you can do this. Let's say in a minute or less, describe Noah Zer to me. Go ahead, describe Noah Zer, the, the person to me.
10: Um, I would say um, hard-working farm boy, uh, honest to a fault. Um, I have my set of core values that I won't break for anybody, but I will work around the clock to make sure that um, whatever organization I land in, and wherever place I'm in, I'm always doing the best and trying to make the biggest impact I can there.
1: Nozer, define success on your own terms. How do you define success?
10: Um, well, I think success for me is um, constantly helping my team win, and personal success is just help helping be a leader within my team. You know, it's it's less about the accolades and more about the journey. I think. So being someone that I can, that the people around me can count on, someone that people see is honest and trustworthy, and and someone that people see is working really freaking hard, mm-hmm. and I think that's enough enough success for me.
1: If you knew that your coach was wrong, how do you go about telling your coach that they're wrong?
10: Something like that is something you have to approach carefully. Um, I don't necessarily think my coaches are wrong very often. They're putting. Their positions because of who they are. But that being said, if I ever thought or ever disagreed with a coach, I would wait till a private moment and approach him by myself and see what his thoughts were and see if we can't come to a mutual un- understanding and maybe a compromise. But I mean, he's the coach and I'm the player, and it's not my place to uh, decide what's right and wrong. So I have to eventually just follow his lead and trust him.
1: Let's have some fun here. What's your most unusual talent?
10: My most unusual talent. Um, I would say I, I, I can carry a tune pretty well. I come from a pretty musical family. Mm-hmm. My dad grew up doing a barbershop quartet, and my brother is a pretty amazing singer, and so are both my sisters. So uh, I, can, I can carry a tune surprisingly well, but other than that, I don't know if I have many hidden talents.
1: Uh, country or rock or what kind of genre?
10: Um, I probably sing country the best, but I listen to just about anything.
1: What's your guilt do you have a guilty pleasure song? One that you kinda don't want to admit you listen to?
10: Um not really. I kinda listen to everything. I again I just I'm an honest guy. I'll never mm-hmm. never shy away from anything. If I'm listening to some Katy Perry and somebody catches me, then I'm listening to some Katy Perry. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> honest to a fault. Hey, what's the dumbest way you've injured yourself? The dumbest
10: way I've injured myself. Um I think I got one time me and my dad were building a deck. Yeah. And I just about put a screwdriver through my hand. Oh. Um so that's probably pretty dumb, but
1: Are you a handyman? Are you a handyman?
10: <laughs> yeah, I grew up on a farm. I would I'd like to think that I'm pretty handy. Um learned a lot of good skills from my dad. Know how to put know how to put a few things together here and there, change my own, my own oil, work on a tractor.
1: Yeah. You know. Are you like are you like your, are your, you, your
10: farm basic?
1: Yeah, are you like Rip from Yellowstone or are you more like Kevin Costner?
10: Um <laughs> I that's a that's a great question. I don't know. I'm probably more like, um, more like Kevin Costner. Okay. I don't know. My dad, my dad's the Kevin Costner. He's the he's the head man in charge. I'm just the guy running around after him, Okay. making sure he doesn't work too hard.
1: You're not Jimmy though, right? You're not that awkward Jimmy guy that really wasn't a cowboy. No,
10: I'd like to think I'm not, but maybe other people might have different opinions. Who knows?
1: Okay, here's a good question my son asked me. I'll wrap up with this. You got you got to choose. You could take $250,000 right now or you get to flip a coin and have a 50-50 chance to win $5 million. Do you flip the coin or do you take the shirt sure
3: $250,000? Ooh. Hmm.
10: That's a hard one. Um, That's why I asked it. Yeah. My first my first instinct, um, just off the top of my head, would be probably just to take the $250,000. i am not... a I don't like taking horribly risky chances mm-hmm. and I think if you do spend your money wisely and put it into the right things you can turn 250,000 into 5 million faster than you can. But,
3: that
1: is um, that is exactly true. what I expected you to say. Being the farmer you are, the farming background, because that's what I would expect. Your dad probably would uh, would teach you. I think it. I think it's based on how old you are. Like, part of me would have expected you to just roll the dice and flip it because you've got a whole life to lead, and five million can help you down the line. Two fifty can too. But if you're me, you're older, nearing your fifties. Two fifty is more. I, I guess uh, it's better because you got less of a runway, right? I got less of a runway in my life. I have more. Uh, let's be honest, I've got more yesterdays than I got tomorrows. you got a lot of tomorrows, so it's almost like, okay, let's flip, let's flip it. I can use five million down the line, but but I kind of get your answer there, man. Hey, best of luck, Noah. I really appreciate it. It was great to watch you excel this year and looking for big things from you uh, going forward, okay?
10: Thank you. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you. <laughs>
1: And it's time to wrap this show up on fine style with something I want to call Cougars in the Cage. A look at the U of R sporting scene. Aside from Rams football, we've got Rams football, but we and we love them, but we've got Cougar athletics too. Let's talk about one of the great teams that's still playing in the playoffs, and Steve Burroughs getting ready for the playoffs. He's the head coach of the U of R men's basketball team. Steve, thanks for joining us, uh, Top. 10-team, you're 10th ranked. How does that feel, or do you really care about rankings?
8: Uh, Well, nice recognition, as you know, but at the end of the day, it'd be... If we're we're still playing in a month from now, then uh, our ranking will still be where we want it, and then we would have accomplished a couple things.
1: Hey, who's your favorite professional coach like do you look at the some professional coaches like i like or call a u.s college coach i like that guy or even a canadian college coach somebody that's uh somebody that's a, a kind of a colleague years
8: yeah you know what i i guess there's i probably try to stay true to myself but yet at the same time i i always i dig bits and pieces from different sports to tell you the truth like there's some football guys out there that would be probably true to you that uh you know, I like listening to, like, like listen to them talk. And then, uh, you know, I'm probably in the basketball world, I'm probably the Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, kind of that mold of that, you know, that mm-hmm. disciple, that personality type of coach.
1: Mm-hmm. Give me a football guy. You mentioned football guy, but don't just gloss over it. Give me a guy, Gl- Steve. Gloss
8: over? Oh, man. Like, uh, I'm a few of them. like I, I, I Like, I like bits and pieces of... Uh, Saban, but not necessarily his personality. But I like what he's built. Mm-hmm. I like uh, bits and pieces of. Uh, again, I I I've re- really enjoyed the Rams guy and listened to what he did this well, McVay, year. McVeigh, yeah, McVeigh, yeah, yeah, for you know, sure. In terms of what he's built, Shanahan, I I've, I've I like listening to him talk in terms of the programs and stuff that he's built and the. You know I think his mind in, in terms of that one side of the of the football is pretty impressive and mm. but you know even like listening to McVay call a shot there with Donald at the end of that game was uh, you know obviously a pretty good indication that he knows his team pretty well,
1: yeah, do you know your team pretty well
8: oh, yeah man, I'd like to think so, but who knows some so, days I think I do
1: so what kind of team do you got as we uh, as we come uh, into the stretch here?
8: You know what we've got a we've got a group that has managed to and credit to them through this, through this time, which as you know, has been, you know, challenging for everybody, but in the sports world to to say that, you know, they, but they've really managed to like, it's a bit of a veteran group, and it's, it's a, it's a heavy local group and you would know
2: most.
8: So we've managed to stay, stay connected through times when it's been really hard to do that. And I think that served us well this year, right? We've got, you know, our, our leadership. Are, we got two fifth-year guys that have, have done a good job of, of leading us through this time, on the court, off the court, and then some of our other guys that we've just been together through, a, through a, for a long time. And that, as you know, that there's you're just able to communicate differently. You're able to. There's a level of trust there that is that has been built over some time that uh, I think has helped us this year. We don't promote uh, our
1: our local Canadian talent enough at all levels, and I, and I'm gonna just sit here and tell you I haven't watched a lot of your team play. I, I I've I've checked it out online, but busy with other things, and that's uh, shame on shame on me. But tell me about those two fifth-year guys. Let's give them some love.
8: Well, you know the name that everyone around these parts would know is Ben Hillis, obviously, and um, you know, he's his sixth year, I guess, because last year we're counting with, you know, the COVID, obviously with the break, and then the other guy is from Edmonton, his name's Josiah Thomas, who's a transfer from he started high school in Edmonton, then went down to the States, and then has been with us for the last three years, but you know, both those guys have, they're basically starting backcourt, you know, start there in terms of on the basketball court, one's a point guard, and when, when Ben is not playing point, Josiah is, so if we go back to our football analogies you know there there are quarterbacks they are our leaders and mm-hmm. they've uh, they've done that in terms of on the court and off the court this for this last couple of years so Steve
1: how do you define success in your own terms I asked coach Dickinson this and he kind of quoted John Wooden how do you define success in your own terms like what does success mean to Steve Burroughs
8: well we're trying to be the best version of yourself right and that's what you know we just finished actually practice and we were talking about not trying to be we don't have to be more than who we are we just have to be you know trying to just work on being you as a start with you know us individually first and then trying to do that and then if we can do that individually then that will probably get us pretty close to putting our best version of our our team forward and If we do that, I think the results will take care of itself, and then we can... But, you know, using some of the... You know, we started this with some of these other coaches, but being pretty process-based and just Mm -hmm. trying to be try to be just focused on that rather than outcome and, and if we can do that i think we'll be happy with with uh the outcomes of what we get done
1: so uh you know you're a guy uh speaking of the process uh coming into this year your team's qualified for the canwest postseason in each of the past five seasons so make it six seasons tell us how the playoffs are shaping up for those that are just uh getting acclimatized to cougar men's basketball how, how do they look uh where do you go from here where are you going now
8: well, it's a uh, it's a uh, quite a it's a different scenario this year than yeah. it's ever been. So it's uh we're playing now because of covid they've they've got us into this one big tournament. So you know, the Canada West version of March Madness. So it's That's kind of cool. Big, yeah, it's a big tournament. It's uh so it's kind of exciting format because of our our place uh so far, you know, we won our division, so which then gets us a double buy. So we've got we got to buy through the first two rounds, and then we'll play a quarterfinal game on Saturday night this week. Mm-hmm. And then if we win that, we would be in the final four. And uh, final four is two weeks down the road. So you know it's it's exciting. It's it's kind of a strange thing to tell you the truth for us because it's never been done before. And and so you're uh, you know kind of prepping for a you know few different teams, which is kind of new, which we don't generally have to do you're you're kind of locked in in terms of you know you're playing this team this weekend and, and you have kind of all week to prep for that and then you play on the weekend and then you kind of go again for the, the week after but uh it's good i i, I like it i am looking forward to it we're excited about it and should be a good challenge we're gonna have to i think we maybe calgary in calgary maybe trinity western so it's gonna be a good team and we're gonna have to be
1: Awesome, man. Well, this has been our first Cougars in the Cage and our first guest, Steve Burroughs. Good luck in the playoffs. I'm excited to watch and uh, hope to have you on again in the future.
8: Yeah, hey, I appreciate you having me on, right? Always good to talk to you.
1: Thanks, man. Take care, man. That is uh, Steve Burroughs, the uh, head coach of the U of R men's Cougars basketball team. Okay, we promised it. Here's how we started the show. Sean Kleisinger is 30 today. Justin Bieber turned 28 yesterday. I'm friends with the Beeb. He called in. To sing you happy birthday. Believe it or not, here it is. This was for you.
2: Happy birthday
1: to you.
2: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday yeah. to you. Oh,
1: yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Happy birthday! I appreciate Sean. you, man. Have a good uh, chicken supper for your birthday with you your. Sure, son. you don't want any, man? No, no, yeah. I'm good. No, I'm good. No, I'm yeah. good. I'm on a diet. <laughs> Coming up, we got Pat's hockey. It's Dante DiCaria in the pre-game show, and uh, yeah, it's going to be great on the airwaves here tonight. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow, and Glenn Suter's going to be in the house. <laughs> this has been the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on six twenty CKRM.